Well, I want to um, talk about something this morning that, um, if it goes well, will be quite helpful. And I've never done it before. And I'm going to go, if you're like from Indiana like I am, lots of barns, I'm going to go all the way around the barn to come in the front door of the barn, okay? So just kind of stick with me because Mrs. Noah is about to be displaced. Mr. and Mrs. Noah are about to lose their home. They're going to go into temporary housing for about a year on a floating barge for about a year. And then um, they will start all over. I want to talk about starting over. So here's some scriptures from that story about Mr. and Mrs. Noah. Genesis chapter 6 is where we'll start. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. That's not very encouraging, is it? That's rather, that's a bummer. And his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them, the animals, birds, creatures that move along the ground, I regret I've made them. But Noah, thank goodness, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Let's look at verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. He walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. And so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. Noah did all that, now we're going to jump down to the seventh chapter, Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. Now just by the way, just by the way, he'd been building this boat for 120 years. 120 years took him to build this boat. He was slow. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. For 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth. As the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 15 cubits. Every living thing that moved on the land perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swam, that swarm over the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People, animals, creatures that move along the ground, birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him on the ark. Now, they've lived in this environment for a long time. Noah was 600 years old. They had a permanent house, permanent residence, and now they are forced to start over. What do you do when you are forced to start over? This is something that we all have in common in this room. Every single one of us has had to start over. Now, maybe you chose to start over. Maybe it was a forced start over. But every one of us in this room, we all know what it's like. We all know what it 
feels like to have to start over. How many of you in this room have moved from one state to another? You've moved from, okay. Have anybody in this, in this room moved halfway across the country, maybe the military, okay? You, you know what that's like when you move to a new state, to a new place, new friends, new school, new community, new doctors, new gym, right? Maybe not a new gym, but for some of you, a new gym, um, a new church. H- how many of you actually like church shopping or church hopping? Denise and I have talked about this. We've never done this. My wife and I have never, ever, you don't like it? So I've, I've heard that. I've heard people, it's a, hard, it's a hard task. I've heard people say, but we, we've never done that. But you know what it feels like to start over. What about a new marriage? What about an engagement that breaks up? What about a major in college? You thought the major was the right major, but it ends up being the wrong major. What about employment that just that you got terminated or, or you got downsized? Everybody in this room has had to start over. What do you do? What do you do when you are forced to start over? Now, there are some problems with starting over. Here's where, if you want to put some notes in the bulletin, here's where we start with some of the blanks. There are problems with starting over. The first one is this, interpreting the pain. Now, I want to talk about this for just a second because it's not the pain that's the problem. It's how we interpret pain. In other words, yes, the loss hurt. Yes, the loss of income hurt. Yes, the death hurt. Yes, the marital breakup hurt. Yes, the engagement hurt. But it's not the pain that's the problem. The problem is, how do we interpret the pain? So here's what, here's what happens. God and Satan both interpret your pain. You're going to have pain. Jesus says in this world, you will have trials and tribulation. Jesus says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Everybody has pain. That's not the problem. Satan comes along and he interprets the pain. God says, all things work together for good. God says, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, all these great things about your pain, I will assist you. I will give you favor. I will put my hand upon you. But Satan comes along with your pain and says, well... Did God really say that you couldn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Did God really tell you this wasn't a good idea? We see the reason God told you that. And so whenever you have pain, the problem with starting over is, what do I do with my pain? Maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God doesn't care about me. Maybe God cares about my sister, but he doesn't care about me. And so one of the problems with starting over, and we're going to do a whole sermon on this one of these days when I can figure out how to do it, but we're going to talk about interpreting pain because you have pain in your life. I have pain in my life. Satan wants to interpret it, and God wants to interpret it. So over lunch at Chili's today, talk about that. Number two, problem number two is this, seeing my situation objectively. I'm starting over. Was it my fault? I'm starting over again. Did I have something to do with this? Did I have some skin in this game? Is the reason I keep ending up in the same place, is it because I keep doing the same things? Or was I a complete innocent you know, victim of this situation? So a second problem with pain is, uh, is seeing my situation objectively. And then number three, it's fatigue and loss of hope. And every time you have to start over, you get more and more exhausted. <clears throat> I have a good friend of mine who's in industrial equipment. 
and he'll say, gosh, we had a great January. Lots of days to work in January. Had a great January. But now February, it's a shorter month. And a shorter month, there's fewer days to, to work, fewer days to sell. And he says it's starting all over again. He calls it the pounding. He calls it the pounding of business. And so every time you have to start over, whether it's a new job, a new marriage, a new school, a new major, uh, it's a new uh, month because of your sales, it's, it's fatigue and it can be loss of hope. All right, that's the bad news, right? You're a little depressed right now on a sunny day. But now, let's, now what did Noah do? What do you do when you have to start over? You will have to start over. There are things in your life that happen that you can control that you cannot control. But what do you do when you have to start over? Well, let's talk about Noah. Let's look, first of all, at what Noah did and see if we can learn how to start over the next time a little bit better because of what Noah did. What did Noah do well? What did Noah do right? First of all, he used his resources. Now, I like this. He didn't just use his resources, but he used the resources, what's the next word? Closest to him. Who are the people in your life who can help you? Who are the people around you who've been there and done that? Here's, here's the passage out of Genesis chapter 8. Look at Genesis chapter 8, verses 6 through 12. After 40 days, Noah opened a window and he'd made in the ark and he sent out a raven. He's got a raven. He's got a raven inside. Now, somebody said the only reason you stayed in the ark, you know, because, because the smell in the ark was bad, but the water outside was worse. I, but anyway, he's got a raven inside. And he kept flying back and forth until the water dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove. He's got a raven. He's got a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could not find anywhere to perch because there was no water over all the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the the ark. He reached out his hand, took the dove, and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. And when the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again. The point is, he had resources. So when you start over, and you have to start over, or you choose to start over, who are the people around you? What are the resources around you? Who's closest to you? Who can help you? Who can assist you in when you start over? I love what he did. He used the resources closest to him. Second of all, he has vision. Look at the vision. He maintained a vision of what could be. He maintained a vision of what could be. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark, and he saw, look at that word saw, he saw that the surface of the ground was was dry. When you start over, isn't it easy to get discouraged? And isn't it easy to get a little blinded by all the obstacles that are around you? And and, and lack of vision will keep you from, from proceeding and going forward well. Number three, he makes a move. He doesn't just have resources closest to him. He doesn't just have vision. He decides, i got to do something. And so there's times in your life when you should pray. There's times in your life when you should go in your prayer closet. There's times in your life when you should do a 21-day fast. But there's times in your life when you got to make a move. And this is what Noah does. Look at the verse. 
came out of the ark. Come out of the ark, you and your sons and your wives and your sons' wives. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives. And look at verse 18. It says this. He does all this because he knows he can't stay in the ark. Maybe he couldn't stand the smell. I don't know. But he knows it's time to make a move. And so, again, in your life, whether you're forced or whether you choose to start over again. And I I think most of the time we're forced. I don't think most of the time we choose to start over again. Most of the time we don't have a choice. But he makes a move. And then the fourth thing that he does, he worships. I love this. One of the first things, let's go to the Scripture, Deb. One of the first things he does out of this, then Noah built an altar to the Lord. He just gets out of the ark. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be saying, where are the seeds? And where are the oxen? Let's plant. Let's plow. Where's the tools? Let's cut the trees. I mean, let's get going. We've got to build a house. That's what I would be doing, right? You know what the first thing he does? He worships. He's starting all over again, and he's, he builds an altar. He builds an altar. Now, the, the word altar is just a place where you go and meet God to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and, 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 and um, all the clean birds. He sacrificed burnt offerings. And then the last thing that he does here I want you to see is he maintains this right relationship with God. He doesn't just worship, step number four, but he kept a right relationship with God so they wouldn't have to start over again and start over again, and start over again. And when you learn to keep that right relationship with God, you don't have to keep starting over in some of the areas of your life. Here are the verses that go along with this. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, now this is the aroma from the sacrifice from the altar that he'd built. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Here's a question I want to ask you. If I want the next time to be different from this time, what do I need to do? If I want the next time, I mean, this time hasn't gone very well. This was rough. This was abrasive. This was brutal. This had bumps and bruises. This wasn't fun. This was tension. This was anxiety. This was my fault. If I'm really honest, I got some skin in this game. If I'm totally truthful, the reason I'm back at this place is I keep making some of the same mistakes over and over and over. If I want the next time to be totally different from this time, what can I do? What do I need to do? I'm so glad you asked that question. Okay, So let's be real practical this morning. This is, this is really a practical message today. Here, here we go. Let's look at the next slide. There's a few things that I must grasp. If I want the next time to be different, there's a few things. I got. Life, this is what i got to grasp. i got to pick up on this. If I don't get this, I'll be starting over and over and over again. Life will never be right around me until life is first right in me. Until I get my life with Christ right, until I get my life with God right, until I get my sins cleansed, until I deal with the guilt and shame that's within me, until I get myself right, and I've tried to get myself right by self-improvement and it doesn't work, I've tried to get myself right by 
accolades and education and more money and more toys and more whatever, and it doesn't work. Until I get what's right inside of me, life will never get right outside of me. You've been around people who are just anxious. They're just anxious all the time. And you're going, why are they anxious? They have so much money. Why are they anxious? They have so many goods. Why are they anxious? They've got a great education. Why are they anxious? They've got a great, I think, family. Why are they anxious? Because something's not right inside of them. And something's not right inside of you. And something's not right inside of me until I give my life to Christ. Until every day I surrender my life, my heart, my will, my emotions. I can have everything around me, but it's not good until God makes me healthy inside. And so if I want to keep starting over again, and I'm back at the same place, and that didn't go well, and that didn't go well, and i got to do this again, i got, got to do this again, it'll never be right around you until it's first right in me. That's a truth that if you can sink your teeth in, how old are you? 20? If you can sink your teeth in at age 20, your life's set. So you, you don't have to come back to church next Sunday. You're done. All right? <laughs> That's the first thing. Life will never be right around me until it's right in me. Here's the second thing that I must grasp. God will change my circumstances. Your circumstances might improve. Circumstances can get better. But what God really wants to do is He wants to change you. God's really up to something in you, isn't He? Now, see, I think you already know this. Because if you keep starting over again, I keep dating the same men. I keep dating the same women. I keep having the same problems at work. I keep having the same problems in the neighborhood. I keep having these same problems with my employees or with my boss. I I, I think you know this. I, I think you know that your circumstances might get a little bit better from time to time. But I think you really know that God is trying to transform and change you. So here's a question. Where is God working on you this morning? Where is God working to transform what's inside of you this morning? He cares about your circumstances, absolutely. But what he really cares about, he really cares about whether or not you will change. All right, so here's some steps that I can take. What can I do? There are some things that I can do. There's some very specific things in my life that I can do. Here we go. Number one, I can get my eyes off the bait, and I can pay more attention to the hook behind it. Now, I'm a fisherman. I'm an offshore fisherman, so I would come up with that analogy. You're absolutely right. I loved offshore fish. I don't play golf. I don't think you can lose your salvation, but I think I could come close on the golf course, okay? I get so frustrated hitting that ball. It is the only sport I have ever taken lessons for, true story, and I suck at it. I'm a terrible golfer. It's the only sport I've ever taken lessons at. So I'm a fisherman, so this makes perfect sense to me. You see, behind the bait is the hook, and you got to have a hook because the hook's what's going to drag you away. And so in your life, what's the bait? What's the bait that's causing you to keep starting over and over and over and over again? What's the bait? What's the trigger? Because if you can see the bait, oh my gosh, then you'll have a reality check about the hook. And the hook is always what? Painful. 
Nobody likes the hook. I've been hooked 150 times in my life, right? I never will forget. I'm in a boat, and Emily and I are in the boat together, and she wrapped the hook completely around my neck and my jugular, and I thought I was going to die one day. Don't move. Don't, don't reel in. Just relax. And so what, what's, what's the bait in your life? I, I, I don't know what it is, but you do. Is it him? Is it her? Is it that? Is it insecurity? Is it you, you fill in the blanks? Or you're going to keep starting over and over again. I'm on to something today. It's the first time I've ever taught on this. I'll get better at this lesson. But we're on to something because we keep having to start over and over and over again, don't we? What's the bait in your life? Well, figure it out because the hook is coming. Number two, what else can I do? I, I really can control my thoughts. That's about the only thing I can control. I can control my thoughts. My thoughts will always lead me to my destiny. Number three, I can influence my daily routine. Um, I, I like that. If you want to change your life, you change something you do every day. Here's what John Maxwell says. John Maxwell said, if you want to see a change in your life, you change something that you do every single day. And then, Deb, would you go back to those three points real quickly for me? I just want to put those three back, back up there. These are the steps that I can take. I can get my eyes off the bait, I can control my thoughts, and I can influence my daily routine. Now, before we go any further, before we go any further, I'm going to do something a little unusual in a message. I want you to stop and pray for yourself because you know right now which of these three you need to work on. Is there a bait that keeps dragging you away? Is there a thought that keeps leading you astray? Is there something about your daily routine that you need to change? I want you to stop right now for the next 60 seconds and focus on this and kind of register this and uh, put it in your heart and your mind. So would you pray for yourself? And then I'll, I'll, I'll pray for us in just a second. Father, what do we need to do? Where do we keep just sliding off the rails? Help us with this. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. I want to give you two more suggestions because here's what else you can do. To get ready, here's what I can do. To get ready, I can schedule God on my calendar. You go, go, preacher, that's so weird. No, it's not. You schedule everything else in your life. You have a schedule for when you're going to go to the doctor. You have a schedule for when you're going to do this. What if you just kind of like put God in the schedule? And so we scheduled a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year, didn't we? And we fasted for 21 days, and we did it. We did. Now, you've, you know, since then forgotten about the fast, but you, you fasted. And it was 21 days. You, 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 you go to a connect group. You schedule that. You schedule in a time where you go to a connect group. You, you can schedule in. I think you have to have the same time in the same place when you pray every day. I think without a time and a place, you really won't do it. So I would schedule, when am I going to pray? And I would schedule, when am I going to read the Scriptures? How, how can you schedule God in, in, on your calendar? And number two, you can change it up. I think you've got to change it up. I think this is so fresh and God is so creative. 
Um, maybe in your spiritual life, maybe you can sing. Just get in the car by yourself. If you can't sing, we don't want to hear you. But just go by yourself. Just sing. Uh, maybe you can have music playing in your house. Music is playing in our house almost 24 hours, constantly. There's music. Denise's fixing dinner. There's Christian music. Ethan's in the house writing new music. The, the girls come over. Music, music everywhere. Maybe you're a journaler. I'm not a good journaler, but I try to journal from time to time. You can journal your prayers. You can, you can, you can change up your spiritual life. You know why? Look at this next slide. These are the benefits you learn to put those things in your life. Oh, my goodness, this is what you want. Lord, I don't want to start over again. I want to stay in that right relationship with you. I want you to help me to make those hard decisions so I don't have to keep starting over and over and over again. Help me make those decisions. Lord, I want you to heal my heart. I want you to make me right internally first before you change my circumstances and the situations around me. My soul needs to be restored. Will you give direction? Lord, I long for direction. I don't want to keep going back to this over and over again. Lord, you give give strength. You get me out of sin. You reveal your plan for my life. You give me peace. You give me the courage to step away from an unhealthy person. Lord, I love you. And you love me, and you're making me feel secure. As your pastor and as your friend, maybe you do need to start over with a right relationship with God. Maybe you do need to start over this morning scheduling God in your life. Maybe you do need to start over this morning with some spiritual plans and some spiritual direction and some spiritual uh, focus that, that's very much a part of what God wants you to do. But you don't want to keep starting over with sin and bad relationships and improper work conditions. You don't want to do that. That just wrecks havoc in your life. And your circumstances around you will never be right until... You make it right inside of you. So maybe today is a day to repent and say, you know, I keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Lord, not only forgive me, but transform me. Maybe today is a day to give your life to Christ. I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never publicly acknowledged that I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Maybe today is a day where you think, you know what, I've never been baptized. Our next beach baptism is like the week after Easter, April the 23rd, but we do have a baptistry here. It's funny. We do hundreds of beach baptisms, but we do have a baptistry here. If you ever need, need or want to use it, it's great. Where do you need to go and to grow today in this great relationship with God? Life is short. Isn't it too short to keep starting over in all the wrong areas? And and isn't it too short not to start in that great relationship with God day after day after day? So maybe you need to make some changes. The resources that are closest to you. The vision that you have where I am 
but where God can take me. Maybe it's time to make a move. I got to move. I got to do something. I got to quit with that. That's the bait. That's the hook that keeps dragging me away. I'm going to make a move today. My goal for you today is to not keep starting over and over and over again in all the destructive behaviors, but for you to start today and to maintain that incredible relationship with God that he has in store for you. Will you stand with me? Our prayer partners are down front. Perhaps you'd like to have prayer. Perhaps you'd like to ask a prayer partner to pray for you. I'm stuck. I keep having to start over. Or today, I want to start this great relationship with him in a great, great way. So if you would today, come down front. Our prayer partners will pray for you and pray over you and pray with you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. And I thank you for this story about Noah. Because, wow, did they have to make some transitions and start all over again. And I thank you for our lives in this room how we're going to keep growing and growing and growing with you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.